0: Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show we have Toby Weston. He's a sci-fi author and futurist. This is Technotopia.
1: In the next 60 seconds, you're going to learn how the Flatiron School can change your life. The Flatiron School will help teach you everything you need to get the job in code, data science, or design. They'll also prepare you for the jobs that don't even exist yet, because this is a school designed to educate you in the art of change. So if you're feeling stuck, bored or unfulfilled, Flatiron will teach you how to change things. You'll learn by making things, breaking things, and discovering how the future is being built. The results speak for themselves. Go to flatironschool.com podcast and read about our graduates' new careers, salary ranges, upcoming courses, and explore these exciting new careers. You can start building your own career in coding, data science, or digital design at one of Flatiron's local WeWork campuses. Or you can take courses online. Go to flatironschool.com slash podcast, read the reviews, and sign up for a free intro course. That's all we ask. Enrollment is now open. It's time to future-proof yourself and change things, fix things, make things better, starting with you. Flatironschool.com slash podcast.
0: Uh, Welcome back to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Toby Weston. He's a sci-fi author. Uh... Author of Singularity's Children. There's a there's a, th- a series of three here. Um, welcome, Toby. Hey, thanks, John. Great to be here. Yeah, tell me a little bit about these books.
2: Um, yeah, so I'm now working on the fourth book. There's three books out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a series takes a group of diverse characters uh, from about 2015 up until about 2050. Um, it's not quite set on this. World, uh, but that's not really a major plot point. It's just so that I've got a little bit of flexibility about um, not always having to get future, you know, near future predictions uh, on the head. So I could give myself a bit of wiggle room there. And um, I think it's it's sort of, for me, a way of looking. Well, it achieves a couple of things. So it's a great story, I hope. Uh, Certainly, my readers um, like the, the action and the the sci-fi adventure, but it's a way of me looking forward um, into the future a bit, sort of fleshing out some ideas, having characters live through that, and um, also world building for hopefully what will be a few more books or many books mm-hmm. down the road
0: So let's talk a little bit about your uh your future philosophy. obviously this isn't set on on earth, but what's your what's your take uh most sci-fi writers obviously have to connect what's happening currently with their writing right so um yes what's your take on on the future is is it all going to to pot or are we going to be okay that kind of thing
2: i think it's in the balance at the moment right. i think that's why um one of the reasons i didn't want to set a book you know in some sort of star trek uh, future utopia where all the problems are solved because I don't think it's a foregone conclusion, but I'm in no way sort of like entirely nihilistic, and I think we're all going down the toilet. So I, I think it's a, a fine line, and that's what I've tried to to show. Um, so, so for me, the big question is, uh, I suppose the major premise we've always had we've always needed freedom uh-huh. in order for the intellectuals and the artists to generate the long-term value that society needs, you know? So like scientists probably don't work well um, with people standing behind them with whips. Uh, although, you know, there were a lot of scientists after the second world war that, that had managed to withstand that for a short amount of time. But I guess that their, their sort of talent really flowered once they got to the U.S. and um, were given enough room for their creativity to flower. And as we move into an age where we've got AI that can increasingly do the jobs of intellectuals, um, what then become the sort of the barriers to complete, you know, sort of fascist um, dystopia where where everybody is controlled. And at the same time, the technology for control is coming up and, um, you know, you've got this they no longer need the intellectuals potentially because we've got the AI and we've got the AI to babysit everybody to make sure that they are living in something much more um, strangling than anything Orwell wrote about. Uh, so that's really, that's how bad it could go. You know, we, we might never get out from underneath the blanket of repression. But at the same time, uh, we've got these amazing technologies, which, you know, are becoming indistinguishable from magic, as Arthur C. Clarke said.
0: mm uh-huh. Yeah, that's an interesting point. So as we move forward into, I guess, the next decade, a lot of the things that we do, from who we fall in love with, to who we talk to, to what we eat, are going to start being mediated by these robots. Is that, is that a fascist dystopia? Or is that just... uh. I mean, if you want to argue that, uh, you could argue that the the, the Old Testament was essentially a, a a methodology to design to make sure that you did that you did you didn't kill your neighbor or eat bad food, mm-hmm. essentially. So these these guidelines have been with us for for centuries. Yeah. Does does that sort of thing? Does that sort of technological um, interjection um, is that bad?
2: Well. I think we've always needed systems to, uh, you know, we've, we're more efficient when we're all agreeing with about some basic facts and uh, some basic sort of principles of society. Otherwise, there's just too much backwards and forwards about what's taboo and what's not. So there's a certain, you know, I do agree that it's good to have a framework. Um, and probably all of these things started off with the best intentions in mind. But when... People exploit them for their own gain. It just becomes like another, another territory. You know, I say this some in some points in the book. It's like another, just another country to be colonised. The the ideas, and um, so of course the Old Testament. There's good stuff and bad stuff that's happened because of it. But I think it's I think it's more than that because we're getting to the point now where the ideology, instead of it being written in a book and potentially interpreted by priests but later by people reading it directly at the the you know the corporations will be able to embody their principles in ais that you know if we imagine augmented reality where you're spending a lot of time talking to you know me and you would be talking now face to face and we might not know we were not talking uh, in the flesh you know not in the flesh mm-hmm. so half of the th- may- maybe 90 percent of the interactions you have will be with things that look like people but are really um, puppets of a corporate agenda or of an agenda and i think that's we're so compelled by people that uh, i don't think we've got the intellectual immune system to to cope with that and and so how will society deal with that and i think we're seeing the start of it now so uh, i think it's a phase change from what we've had before really
0: Hmm, interesting is the so as a as a fiction author what's the there's obviously upside to in fiction especially to be dystopian but are you are you generally optimistic about this or is there going to be or is it or or is there a uh, or is there an impetus to be dystopian through everything
2: no no i mean i, I the start is fairly dystopian because it starts after the next crash Uh you know which when i started writing this in about 2007 um it it could have been that crash you know but then everything got better and and so maybe it's going to be the next crash but one day there'll be a pretty big crash and it'll be you know it'll it'll feel like it's the end again as it often does Uh um so it does uh, and this crash in the book is is pretty big and it's not the complete breakdown of civilization but it's you know it's there's no food on the shelves for a few weeks and there's a certain amount of breakdown so it does start in quite a a dystopian place if you if you just come to it cold you might think that it's it's going to get worse and worse but of course systems rebound i think it's really important that we're optimistic and and there's just such amount of crazy technology and and you know it enables people to have such powerful ideas, which can be for the greater good. It's just that the framework at the moment seems not to support that. And so, yeah, I want to show some alternative ways of of sort of making progress, really. And so there are, you know, there are there are baddies and goodies, and mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to give away the ending.
0: <laughs> okay, so for so your 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 background is also you're also a, uh, I guess a futurist for for corporations what what is needed to make sure that systems rebound um that that systems are robust it, can can we build in that sort of uh feature set or does it just have to happen by luck or do human systems just do that
2: um i mean the the big systems up until now have always rebounded and i think It's mostly, to be honest, this is fairly cynical, but I think people are best at solving problems when they're actually confronted directly with the problem. And when problems are sort of theoretical and academic and more than, you know, ridiculously, more than like two weeks out, Uh or let's say six months out, um, people just don't really think about them. But we've got 7 billion people on the planet now, and a lot of us are very smart. And when there's a problem staring you in the face, you tend to just solve it. So I think that's got a lot of the resiliency is due to that, actually, at the end of the day. I think it's really difficult to build in resiliency because some smart alec will come along and identify that slack, that resiliency as potential optimization Uh and and maybe base their um, promotion on cutting that slack out. And then, of course, you get a few years of benefit but you've 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 removed one of the you know the, the I don't know the plain of a river or something that can stop the the big flood from destroying the city and you don't know it until the flood comes uh-huh. huh okay yeah a bit pessimistic but um <laughs> no, I know I think ultimately optimistic because we've got this capacity to to solve problems when confronted with them but it is difficult to think more than a few years out which is why sci-fi is important because you can make some of this stuff real at least to the characters in the book
0: why is so let's go a little bit more deeply into that why why should be we be reading sci-fi it's and not just like i don't know business news because i mean for all intents and purposes they're they're almost uh they're almost um indivisible because you're because you go through you go through your facebook feed and you see some kind of robot that can i don't know fix a roof in 45 minutes and then Uh, two years ago maybe somebody added that character to their book and it was it was pie in the sky back then and it's and it's moving so quickly
2: totally um i mean it's a really good question and i find myself reading less i mean i love books and i love sci-fi above all else really um but you know not including certain humans obviously which who i love very much Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um but I find myself reading less and I or reading less long form stuff. And I am just getting you know, there's this this fire hose and I remember like my first job, uh, you know, let's say nineteen ninety six or so and I was working in, in um in the in tech in, in in the computer industry. And on my lunch breaks I would search you know the tiny little internet that there was then i mean obviously it was enough to preoccupy me for a few lunch breaks in a row but it really felt like eventually you'd read it you know you'd read the internet and then you were trying to follow trends and i was interested back then in single stage to orbit rockets and updates might come once every 18 months Uh and you know it was just there was just virtually nothing happening uh and now it's just crazy and i think like I'm. This is just a ridiculous statement, isn't it? But I'm bored of novelty. Uh-huh. You know, there's so much <laughs> new stuff there all the time. Yep. And uh, and what do you do with it? And so it's very difficult with sci-fi. I I think that ultimately people like a good rip-roaring story, and I I know I do. And so that's what I try and write. Um, but also I like to be intellectually stimulated, so I try and sort of layer that in there, um, and. I guess I want to take I want with my books at the moment to go far enough into the future that it you know it can all be hand wavy and and mm-hmm. not quite as um, restrictive. But I also didn't want to just jump over that gap. So I don't know to answer your question. It's a very difficult time to be writing. I think because I don't see such a lot of the really epic, fantastic stuff coming out anymore. Uh, but, you know, and almost it's in in inverse to the amount of factual stuff as you said so mm-hmm. maybe this maybe people are just reading that instead and that's why nobody's buying
0: sci-fi books <laughs> yeah i guess the uh how has it been i think you how did how has it been uh trying to sell a sci-fi book in, a, in an era of sci-fi um well it's i
2: i'm self-published uh-huh. so i'm sort of doing a lot of the uh, marketing myself and it's it's weird, you know, when before you publish a book, you've got really no idea of of how books sell. But once you start seeing how the sales are going, you, you start Googling around and you realize that, you know, books really virtually nobody is making any money with books. And so then you sort of readjust what your expectations are, because, you know, it's primarily not for money for me that I'm doing it. Uh-huh. And then. Having a few engaged readers who like to chat about things and who give you feedback and who, you know, I'm um, on Facebook and Twitter and things like that and the odd sort of conversation and actually that's that is great, you know. And so I'm I'm feeling um, that everything's going very well, but that's um, after sort of three years of becoming increasingly jaded with the whole thing, and so my expectations have probably lowered, but. Then again, you know, I've only got a few books out there, so I feel that if things keep going like they are and I keep writing books, then things are going to be good. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm relatively happy.
0: Is there any, is there any reason outside of, the, outside of creating sort of a, a self um, – I guess a self-perpetuating group of friends for yourself? Is there any reason to read and write books? Do you think they're going to be uh, effective in the future?
2: um so i don't i genuinely don't know whether people are going to be reading words Uh um but uh, the book is a is the most uh sort of direct brain to brain interface we've got at the moment uh, because you're allowing the reader to put faces to all of the characters and you're not limited by budget you know you can just write whatever you can imagine and whatever their brain can accept Uh so i think that I'm I'm writing stories in book form but I could imagine you know so another thing I I see often is the way Amazon behaves um with with books and with other things is is really tough on content creators but at the same time you know almost everything that has ever you know got any fame has been made into a film and a video game and a series, uh-huh. and and they're really they're going to run out soon because you know we're going back. When it's not been written at the pace that it's been turned into other forms of media. Uh, so this is another thing I use to cheer myself up. You know, at some point in the future, um, maybe they'll have really got to the bottom of the barrel and they'll look at my books.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're hoping uh, you're hoping for the uh, for the worst case scenario. All right. No, I, I mean I, I
2: just think that that stories. Uh, and, and again, I try and write good stories that people like, uh, rather than just like pumping out lots of books because I think that, yeah, it is the long-term, you know, game plan that I'm most interested in.
0: Uh-huh. All right. Perfect. What does the world look like in, in 20 years? I think you're in Switzerland. Maybe it looks like Switzerland.
2: Honestly, sometimes when I'm walking, uh, you know, in the city or in the countryside here uh, and you just see like a lake on, on both sides of it there's some nice very clean pleasant towns and then it picks up to a mountain and then it goes down again you've got a town and a lake and then a town and then a mountain it just feels like the interior of some sort of space habitat uh-huh. you know like this is <laughs> this is as good as it gets you know so um i hope the world looks like switzerland in 20 years time uh-huh. i mean if you're asking about the the world we live in i think it's probably in 20 years time going to be not significantly better. Um, Maybe we'll have turned a corner and it will start to get better, but we've got such a lot of inertia making it worse at the moment. But um, I think that longer term, there's the potential for it to just become totally idyllic. Uh, But yeah, 20 years is a difficult time, right? We've got to find out what we're doing wrong. We've got to start implementing fixes and those are probably gonna be band-aids in the short term, which may be not so pretty. yes (laughs) yes <laughs> all right well this. ask me about 50 years all right
0: 50 years it's going to be uh it's going to be it's going to look like uh like switzerland we're going to be inside a tube just sailing around with mountains and and uh exactly and and, and some uh, of
2: us actually will be in tubes,
0: <laughs>
2: floating around the earth all
0: right toby weston so it's uh tobyweston.net where your books are folks can get grab singular right. as children uh there's three books out and you've got a next one when's the next one coming out
2: I'm aiming for next year. All right. Uh, But, but, uh, yeah, maybe maybe it slips a bit and I have to release a novella to fill the gap. So let's see how that goes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Toby, thanks for joining us on Technotopia. This has been pretty cool.
2: That was great. Thanks very much, John.
0: Yeah. Speak to you soon. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun
1: Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York, that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application
0: that will help people experience the Internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of
1: top-secret hardware, Happy FunCorp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com
0: Technotopia is also sponsored by Jaywalk. Jaywalk is a new app that pays you to walk. You can try it out at jaywalk.me. It's created by me, John Biggs, and a few of my friends. jaywalk.me. Please check it out.